Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where you will be hearing from us. No, I don't know it at all. Guys, what's up? How is everybody doing? All right, out of pure curiosity, how many people actually listen to the podcast? Uh, okay, wow. So when we say six, we should say like 12, actually. Hey, before we get, before we get going, um, we have a celebrity in our midst. Um, there is a girl that flew here from Maryland named Afia. Well, two girls that flew here from Maryland. But Afia, it's her birthday today. And she, she is a huge podcast fan. Afia, Happy stand, birthday. Stand up. Stand up. Hey, can we sing her happy birthday? One, two, three. Happy Seriously, thank you for being like, she was like, I love your all's podcast so much. And I, it sounds so dumb, but I literally, when we record them, I'm like, nobody listens to this. And then like, we have so many people that like come to our church and find out about young adults because of the podcast. So um, it's really cool. And this is our second official live podcast. Was anybody at the first? Okay, some OGs, like the first live podcast. We were downtown in an art studio in Denver during a blizzard. A blizzard. Like, it was supposed to be great all day, and then, like, the day before, it was like, oh, it's going to dump. And we couldn't get our, our money back from the place. So we were like, we're just doing it. So, guys, can you give it up for Tyshawn Rowland? What an incredible word he brought last night. And I know tonight is going to be just as amazing. It's cry night at retreat. Oh, a lot of you guys haven't been to retreat. Saturdays are cry nights. It's like heart surgery night. It's where we just go in. We've got no agenda, and we just kind of sit and, and worship for as long as we want. We do some altar calls. It's good. Guys, give it up for Milana. No, Milana. Martellarda. Martellarda. Very Italian. Bakken, that's right. All right, so guys, you all wrote a bunch. Hold on, what is going on back there? Are y'all in the same white hoodies? They're twinning. Out there looking like Power Rangers. Go ahead. Yes, they, yeah, for real. Oh my God. I was like, what the heck? Um, all right. So, you guys wrote some incredible questions out that, uh, at breakfast, and we sorted through them. We tried to match as many as possible so that we, you know, like kind of get themes and stuff like that going. Obviously, we are not going to be able to cover all of the questions. We had like 40 or 50 some odd questions come in. However, we are going to keep them and we're going to use them for later podcasts. Some of you guys wrote some things that were like super deep and would like, we could spend a whole podcast on just like one question. And so we're gonna save those and reserve those and potentially like use those for upcoming Q&A podcasts or even take some of those questions and dive in deep um, to that. So, but we've, we've picked a handful that I think just kind of covers the, the basis and sort of the, the spectrum of all the questions that sort of came in. Uh, we will we'll dive in and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Sounds good. Yeah. 
And you guys can laugh. Listen, I don't have my automatic laugh button that I love to hit all the time. You just so, outed yourself that it's a button and not a live studio audience. If y'all thought that was a live <laughs> studio audience. Um, but okay, I'm going to softball it. Somebody asked this. I didn't keep the card, but I think it was interesting. Fall is in the air. The leaves are, are changing. It's orange outside. Is it wrong for Christians to celebrate Halloween? That was a question that we had. If it is, my wife's going to hell. I'll just tell you that right now. (laughs) If it is, it's bad. But I think think it depends on what celebrating is, right? So if if you're getting some kids together to wear a costume to get some candy, that's fine. Now, if you are putting like a David star with some salt, with some, you know, and you're really worshiping the day, I think that that's different because, you know, you hear a lot of people say, you know, well, Halloween's a pagan holiday. Christmas is a pagan holiday. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily can you celebrate the day. I just depends on what you're actually celebrating, you know? So I think if, it, if you're having some kids and you want some trick-or-treating, there's nothing wrong with that. But I yeah. think if it goes further than that, you got to ask yourself some different questions, you know what yeah, I mean? for real. Yeah, if you've got seances going on in your backyard, I feel like that's different. <laughs> But I, I think you just mentioned this. Like, how many people celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Yeah, everybody in this room. <laughs> that is a pagan holiday that Christians hijacked to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Most people, and I don't know how in the world they would estimate this, think Jesus was born between uh, February and April. Yeah. Um, and so if we were, like, actually, like, celebrating the real heart behind Christmas, we would celebrate it in either February, March, or April. Um, And so Christians have a history of hijacking pagan things and trying to make them, like, relevant. Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, like he said, absolutely. If you love to trick-or-treat or or carve pumpkins, you know, whatever, go for it. Just no Ouija boards and seances and and rubbing salts or whatever those those things are. Or, what you know, the big salt blocks everybody thinks brings them energy and stuff like that. Is that part of Halloween? I feel like it's like in the same hyper-spiritual like realm. I've got cousins that are super redneck, and we buy those salt blocks, but put them out for like deer and stuff. So everybody who's trying to like channel good energy, like you could have a deer come in your backyard or something like that. Okay, here's here's a really good question. Uh, based off of your message last night about the things that we go to when we're stressed and how prayer is an answer to that. What are some really healthy ways to relieve stress after you've gone to God to pray? That's a great question. I think a few things. One, exercise. I think exercise can uh, just help. There's something about working out that I think can relieve a lot of stress. Me and Daniel worked out today. Chest day. Holla at your boy. Um, (laughs) I think having a hobby is important. I think it's crazy to me. I meet a lot of Christians that don't have hobbies. And if you don't have hobbies, you're going to get very frustrated in life because you just need something that's just almost just innocent of purpose, but can take away time and just exercise like thoughts, you know what I mean? Like whether I have friends that play golf, I have friends that just like doing extracurricular things, go, excuse me, I almost died. Um, go, <laughs> I really did, I said, no, not a seizure, not again, okay? Say, don't have oh another gosh. seizure, please. Um, In Jesus' name, no. No, like I have friends that go fishing, that's not my thing. I have friends that go hiking, that's not my thing. I have a friend that goes flying, that's not my thing. But I think finding your thing will help with your stress. And so I think it's always good to even almost have like a after success plan. I think that's one of the most important things. You know, when Jesus got tempted, a lot of times when people preach that or read that story, we assume that Jesus got tempted 
during his fast, but if you read the Bible, it says that he got tempted after his fast. So when he was the most vulnerable, that's when the devil comes, and he will come during the time that's their most vulnerable, which is right after stress, a stressful day or a day of prayer. And so I encourage you just to have a plan. My plan when we get back home is that I'm probably going to go to Top Golf with Daniel, just because I want to learn how to play Top Golf. If you're if you're like that's not real, shut up. Okay, listen, we all got somewhere to start. Okay, and then just working out. And then for me, I actually enjoy playing Fortnite. So Typey Roland, that's my name. Ty be sniping, that's what I do, okay? And Ty be building if it gets scary. So that's exactly what it is. That's amazing. Milana, what, what would you say is something that you do to, like, in a positive way, help you relieve stress? Yeah, I think last night was so great because obviously prayer is, like, the the thing. Like, the Bible tells us to actually, like, pray without ceasing. And everything, I loved the message last night. And it actually made me think of, um, like, kind of like you said, like, hobbies. But more, my brain went to, like, find your spiritual like pathway last year if you're at retreat my husband actually gave a breakout session on this of how you are like intricately designed in a unique way to connect with God like he actually gave you giftings and desires and things like that to connect with you and so he did like a little test in his breakout of like find out like your spiritual pathway of how you like best connect to God and I'm like a really visual person and so I connect to God like best in nature and that's not my husband necessarily. Like he's obviously worship. Um, I hate nature. You do. <laughs> if you ever Outside see Connor hiking, he's been kidnapped. Literally, um, <laughs> I'm being led to my death. Actually, Aaron got you to hike recently. I'm going to talk about that Sunday morning, <laughs> the hike that, as a loving husband, I took my wife on. It's incredible. <laughs> but yeah, just finding like your niche and figuring out how God designed you. Um, and just another way to connect with him um, that's, like, personal to you, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Somebody wrote in, is Connor's laugh actually real? <laughs> that's just how he laughs. Yes, it is. <laughs> I've gotten really good at it. For all the haters. <laughs> no, I can't, because it's real. You got to make me laugh. We've worked together for, like, five I'm a, years. I'm above I've perfected peer pressure, it. you know what I mean? <laughs> How do you find purpose in a job you don't like? Ooh, um, I'll just tell you Which this. apparently everybody has in this I, Apparently everyone <laughs> hates their jobs. That's what, I, that's what I gather. They're like, ooh. An intern better not have submitted that one. Okay, uh, guys. <laughs> but, you know, my favorite season of my life, I've always wanted to be in ministry since I was 12 years old. A guy came to a camp, prophesied over me. From then on, all I wanted to do was be a preacher. Now, it took a long time from that prophecy to materialize in opportunities that would I felt would fulfill that prophecy. And I remember I got this job after my interns because usually when you go into the internship, the goal, at least my goal, was be the best intern and you get hired and, and then that's the start. And so it really messed me up when they didn't hire me after the internship program. They're like, yeah, we're not hiring you. I'm like, for why? Guys, I'm, I'm who you want. And they're like, no. And so I had to get a normal job. I got a job at Starbucks. I remember a preacher came probably two months after I got my job at Starbucks, and he was speaking, and he said something that really, it was a joke, but I took it super serious. He was like, there's some people out here, you want to be a preacher, but God has you as a barista. I was like, okay, continue. <laughs> and he said, you need to stop looking at your job as just a normal job and, and view it as, and again, it was very funny, but he said, you, you're a bean revivalist. And I was like, yes, I am. I'm a bean revivalist. <laughs> and so I left that conference, 
And every time I went to work, I went to work on mission. Now, again, I was just working at Starbucks, making drinks, taking orders, but I made that my mission field because that's where God had me. And I was one of those people that I never wanted to tell someone to do something that I never did, you know? I knew I was gonna grow up and be a preacher. So for me to get up and say, your workplace is your mission field and you should be leading people to Christ. How fake would that make me if I'm in a job and I have an opportunity and I don't uh, lead people to Christ? And so I made that my mission field and that's gonna help you with your job you don't like. If you wake up in the morning like, I'm going to this nine to five and I hate it, of course, I'll hate it with that frame, with that frame of mind too. But if you wake up and say, I'm on mission today and my mission yeah. looks different and my mission is with people with green aprons and people that come and order random drinks and stupid drinks and fun drinks and all these different things. I'm going to make that my mission field. And here's the coolest thing. There was a girl named Marty who I love so much. And Marty, I met, her at, I met her at Starbucks and she had a hard relationship with church and a hard relationship with God. And I was like, Marty is my mission field. And I've always been a funny person and so I just do my best to make her laugh, be encouraging, and eventually I invited her to church, and it didn't stop there. She eventually joined a small group, and it didn't stop there, and she eventually did a, um, the internship. It didn't stop there. They offered Marty a job. <laughs> Marty didn't take a job, so that's, that's totally fine. Yeah, I know me too, right? And uh, my manager, Noelle, um, I made, she was an atheist when I first met her, and I made such a big impact on her that I remember the first time I preached, I asked if I could have the early morning shift. And then the next day I came into work, she was like, can you give me the uh, DVD of your message? I was DVD, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Um, and so I sent her the link and then my manager got saved. And then after she got saved, she hired everyone. Daniel used to work for the same manager that I worked for because she knew him from the church LV. And so I would encourage you, Starbucks, Walmart, Target, Fabletics, whatever you're at, you know who you are, wherever it is. That's you? Yeah, it was you, Jordan. Okay, wherever it is, that's your mission field. So don't make your job a stepping stool to get to your destiny. Make your job your destiny, and you'll enjoy it a little bit more. That's so good. Yeah, I remember right before I interned, I had a job that I liked, but it wasn't. I was a coach. I was a club volleyball coach, and I like liked the work, um, but it wasn't a great working environment. I was making no money. I don't think I realized how little money I was making until like I got a big girl job and I was like, oh, I don't know how I was living. But it was not a great job, um, but I was coaching 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds, um, all the way up to through like 18. And I think I'm a big believer in just like the Bible says to like work the field in front of you. Um, and so I think like honestly with God, like nothing is wasted. I was working with like 13 through 18 year olds, like not really liking my job, having no idea in like four or five years, me and my husband would be youth pastors at a campus and God was actually preparing me on how to like connect with 13 year old girls because <laughs> I didn't know how to do that before. Um, and so I'm just a big believer in like just work the field in front of you and like nothing, no season. God's not going to waste that. He's not going to like put you through things and not like use it later in life. Like everything is building you up to um, just edify God and build up the church, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Life is gonna be filled with jobs you hate. Like for real, even if you like feel like you're in your dream job, like the shininess will wear off and there'll be parts of it that you start to like despise if you don't check your heart. And so I think so much of it is like, like he was saying, what you bring to work. Because at the end of the day, like, I've talked to people, I, I've got friends that, like, I have a friend in real estate who was working his, like, dream job, like, flipping homes, like, taking historic homes in, in a, 
I don't know if I want to mention the city, in a city and like flipping them and making them beautiful. And like, this is like what he dreamed of doing. And then he found himself being like, now what? Now what? And so I think working a job that you're not like stoked on, it's just going to be a part of life. And I think you bring to it, like what you bring to it, you will get out of it. And that, and I know that sounds so cliche, but I'm 34, my hair is thinning. I feel like I've seen some things in life. And so, and so I, I think that's just, there's just truth in that. So, all right, uh, moving, moving on. This is, this is a question I want to camp on for a minute. Um, how do you discern when it's time to leave a church and how do you deal with church hurt? What a great question, Connor. I think you should um, answer that. I'm joking. Uh, no, I, I think, number one, ask yourself, is this a personal issue? Like, is, is what you're feeling personal? Like, because sometimes you're like, well, is that enough? No, it's actually not enough, you know, because I've gone to church sometimes and I get offended because of what the preacher is preaching, but the thing he's preaching on offends me because I'm not living the way I should be living, you know what I mean? So I think, number one, if you're going to venture on leaving a church, have a conversation with your leader first and talk to them about it. And if you feel like you can't do that, find a leader that you can talk to. I don't think it's sad that people leave churches. I think it's sad the way people leave churches. I think there's a way that you can do it that's honorable. It's going to meet with the pastor, going to meet with the leader. I'm not saying the lead pastor, whatever pastor you have access to, and just say, hey, here are my practical issues with this church, whether they're personal, whether they're practical, whether they're biblical, and allow that person to speak to the issues. I think if we leave without a conversation, you're just gonna teach yourself to leave real quick. So I think the best thing that you can do, if you're thinking about leaving a church, Go talk to the pastor. You should not leave this church. You should stay here. But if maybe you're from another place, I don't know, like Maryland or something. Maybe if you're from, I'm totally joking. Another totally shout joking. out. Um, I think you have a conversation. And I think after that, dealing with church hurt, here's the thing. I have worked for some churches that people that leave those churches, and I want to pick my words carefully because this is a podcast, tend to hate on those churches. And a lot of those people that feel that way. I can understand why they feel that way, but some of it is like you knew it was going to be like that before you got there. Like you kind of knew that. And then two, after you leave, the Bible says to pray for your enemies. And if you feel like that church has been an enemy to you, pray for them. Every time I've left a church, I know now I got to pray for that senior pastor every day. Not because I'm bitter towards that senior pastor, just because I never want to get bitter towards that senior pastor. So every day I pray for the pastors I work for. I pray, even though I don't work for Stephen Furtick, I pray for Stephen Furtick and Holly Furtick and their children. I pray for Jensen Franklin and Sharice Franklin and their children. I pray for Tim and Jen Timberlake and their child. I try my best to do that. Why? It keeps me empty of offense and it keeps that hurt. Um, it gives that hurt a season instead of keeping that hurt for a lifetime. So I would just encourage anyone that if you leave a church, begin to pray. Pray for everyone who offends you. Pray for everyone that hurt you. And then ask yourself, what did you contribute to the problem? Because if you're leaving, believe me, just as much as you have some stuff to say about that church that left, the reason I don't talk stuff about all the church I've been at is because they have a lot of stuff they could say about me. And so I think one of the best things that we can do is speak highly of everyone, but make sure we're taking care of our own heart and we're praying and we're leading and doing the best that we can. That's so good. I think that's so good. I think, I think part of it, too, is we, we live in a culture where I, I, don't, I, I hate using the word coddled because I don't, I don't believe in that. Like, you know, there's this narrative from older generations, like, this younger generation's soft and everybody's coddled and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, you're just old and hurt, you know? But like, <laughs> but like ugly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Um, 
But I do think this, we, like true discipleship is sometimes hard to come by in churches. And, and what bothers us is when somebody in authority over our life, and, and I don't mean like control over our life, but if you go to a church, you submit yourself to that, that leadership for a season or even your group of friends. I think a lot of people leave when friends with a good heart or pastors with a good heart try to correct a behavior in your life that you don't want corrected, but in the end could kill you. And so please hear me, like church abuse and church hurt, pastors are humans, leaders in your church are humans. We are not Jesus, we are not perfect, and if anybody claims to be, that's a great reason to leave church. Um, but we'll make mistakes. But I think, a, I think my fear in this generation is that we will misinterpret loving correction for abuse. Yeah. And I want to say that carefully because, again, I'm not trying to belittle the fact that abuse is, is very real. But sometimes pastors have hard conversations and sometimes leaders have hard conversations, not because we think you're a terrible person, but because we love you and, and we've lived maybe enough life to see this not play out super well for a lot of people. And so before you leave for a church, I 100% agree, talk to your leaders, but then also just have that honest gut check. Like I had to repent and humble myself and apologize to some of my staff this week, like literally this week leaving, leading up to retreat. I lost it on some folks and it was not good. And I, and I talked to my leader and he was like, you need, to, you need to repent, like that wasn't okay. And it was hard for me to hear because I was heated in the moment, but I was like, I wasn't like, screw you, I'm leaving. Like, no, I was like, you know what? You're right, and this sucks, and I feel stupid, but I'm going to do it, and it brought, like, healthy fruit out of the situation. And so I, I, I think there's, like, a litany of filters you could go through, and he probably mentioned all of them. So, um, okay. I do have one more thing to say, and I told this to my friend who called me yesterday, two days ago, to, about leaving his church, and I told him this. I said, step back before you step away. So maybe some of you are feeling offended because you have too much proximity to your leader. Maybe you're feeling offended because there's too much demand that they're requiring of you in this season. So step back and ask yourself, do I actually love this church? Like, do I, do I love the church? Because sometimes some of us, we're serving, serving, serving. In church, we treat it like this. We like come in, you start off, then you become a leader, then a small group, then more demand, more demand, more demand, more demand. I have to leave. We'll just come back down to the days where it was just church. Hey, pastor, can I just come to church for the next three months? Yeah. And then in those three months, allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, allow him to speak to you. And after those three months, if you feel that you need to step away, then have that conversation. Yeah, that's gold. That's so sorry. I'm, I'll be quick. No, I did have it. a quick thought, though, just because this question actually, I have a big burden for this question because um, I just love God's church. And I, um, but something when Tyshawn was talking, something that came to mind was that I feel like that like this generation or our world or just how out in the open everything is, everything's online. There's lots of like transparency where we can check out another church. We can have, there's so many options out there and we can almost sort of like cherry pick and like pick apart and have opinions about every church these days because we can see their sermons online. We can see their social media. We can see like their worship songs and make harsh opinions and I think a big part of that is to, in today's culture, we actually expect church to like be God and to like be equated to the same thing when church actually serves a much, much different purpose. Like church is for gathering together for community and coming together to like worship God. And we expect it to be like so much more that we can get really nitpicky 
um, and expect it's like church to be God for us. And it's like Connor said, like church is ran by humans and we're going to fit. They're going to fail you. They're imperfect. Um, and the beautiful thing about it is like it's a body of Christ. And so like there are different parts of the body that serve different purposes. And just like that, there are churches that serve different purposes. My best friend genuinely attended a church in the South that like was a church that like was purposed for like healing. Like they were experiencing healings, they were experiencing revival and it was like beautiful. And then like a church like, um, there's churches that are like specifically to like welcome home new believers. And that's like a beautiful thing because that like is exemplifying the body of Christ. Um, and so finding where you fit in to the body of Christ is just part of it. And so, like you said, like there's a way to leave healthily, be like, okay, I, I don't feel like this is where I thrive and I'm going to find somewhere, um, that I do, but I will, this is like the one thing I really wanted to say is that like, we have to be mindful that if we leave or when we leave or think bad things do happen, that like the church is God's bride like, that is Jesus' bride. That is, like, what he went to the cross for. Um, so we, we just have to be really, really careful about how we talk about, like, Jesus' bride. And so, yeah, sorry. I just no, want to add that. that. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, okay, what are your thoughts? This just says TikTok pastors. <laughs> question, um, mark. TikTok question mark. Question pastors, mark, question mark, question mark. Question mark, question mark, and there's a clock on it. Um, what are your thoughts on like TikTok pastors or, or maybe about, maybe get answer that question. And then how do we navigate like getting our theology from like Instagram and TikTok? Yeah. I don't think you should get your theology from TikTok the same way you shouldn't get your theology from one sermon on the weekend. Your theology should come from you studying God, studying the word, studying the Holy Spirit. I think we judge harshly as if that's the one avenue people are going to learn from. I don't know anyone that the only thing they do is wake up in the morning and go to TikTok for encouragement. You know, that's not, that's the way we attack it. But on the subject of TikTok preachers, I have some friends that have literally millions of followers on Instagram, and I know them personally, and they are loving, they are kind, they are giving, they have programs set up that if you follow, one of my friends, Jacob Coyne, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Gen Z would be suicide free. He started his TikTok as a joke, just almost just having fun right before COVID. Then he started seeing how many people started watching, and the question was, man, I have this influence, and I think anywhere there, where there's eyes, Christians should be there. Now, I'm not, if that's not your grace, don't, don't do it. But if that is your grace, I encourage you to do it. And so I have, no, like, I have nothing against anybody that's trying to further the message of the gospel, but I do have a problem with maybe people that on TikTok take it upon themselves to persecute everyone as if they are the head honcho and they know everything. I think anybody like that, we should steer clear from that. But I don't have anything against TikTok. Honestly, I enjoy it. Preachers don't pop up on my algorithm, so I don't have that much to say. It's a whole bunch of like Dave Chappelle, little baby and workout videos. That's, that's where we're at right now. And motivation. You can do it. Yes, I can. You know, so that's the stuff I like. Uh, I, my, my caution with like the TikTok and Instagram pastors and, and preachers, and we talked about taking our messages offline, specifically, just in young adults, specifically um, post-COVID, is not that these people are bad people or they're fake or whatever, but I think it, it can allow an ability for you to become a siloed Christian um, if the only place you're, you're like engaging in messages is like on your YouTube channels or on like Instagram or whatever. 
Because like she was saying, church isn't just about you getting a message. Like every single one of you, when you walk into church, are actually supposed to bring something to the church, even if you're not volunteering or serving, even if it's just bringing your worship. And your worship, like even you just lifting your hands, could be the catalyst for somebody sitting behind you that you didn't even know you needed. And so obviously I'm all for like the gospel and and good messages and good theology getting out there. My only hesitation would be, I think, especially post-COVID with the work-from-home generation, it's easy to remove yourself from community and become like a, a, a church of one. And I don't think that God ever intended us to do life that way. And I think it's a really easy way to start to kind of be picked apart when you don't have accountability and community and people in your corner to help you walk out your faith. And so that would be my, my thought on Instagram, TikTok. Anything to add? Um, on it, it, uh, yeah, I feel like there's there's good and bad with everything. It, there's good and bad theologies in churches. Like you could easily, um, I think with TikTok that there's like Christian influencers that have huge followings. I'm like, that's great, love it, because like the enemy will invade like where the church avoids. And so I'm like, yeah, let's get more <laughs> of that on there, because God knows there's awful stuff on TikTok. So better that like be there in algorithms, but. Yeah, don't don't let that be your your only source. It can be a source, but definitely yeah, the word coming to church, like trusted pastors that um, you like are giving authority to speak into your life. Maybe don't give certain <laughs> TikTok people like full authority if you don't know them. But yeah, so. Yeah. All right, Milana, I'll, I'll kick this over to you first. So, according to Paul, I feel like I've just. I'm trying to just make it interesting. I've, I've turned to my right. Um, according to Paul, singleness lets you chase God with more identity and focus on your calling. If so, what's the point of getting married in the first place? Sex. <laughs> you would. Money. Tax breaks. Just kidding. Um. <laughs> All of those are serious. Though. All of those are. They are added bonuses. <laughs> um. See, I liked having time, but it's fine um, to think about it. I think Manny actually just talked about this a little bit um, in his last sermon when he came out here. And we talked, we actually did a breakout today on finding the one, if you were there, and we talked a little bit about marriage. And I think people think, I think the reason Paul is like speaking to that um, is, I say this like lightly, I think. Christians almost put marriage on this like pedestal and idolize it to the point where they think I'm going to arrive at my relationship with God once I'm married. Like once I'm yoked to another person, my faith is actually going to get stronger and it's going to like, and like, yes, you will be built up and you'll have a partner. And God says in scripture, like it is not good for man to be alone. But like, I am, I have to work harder at my relationship with God now. Like, that's just true. Now that I'm taking care of a marriage and making, like, taking care of that relationship, it takes more effort for me to, like, really pour into my relationship with God and make sure that that is actually, like, at the top of my um, priority list, that that's, like, the top of my shelf. Um, and so when Paul's, like, saying it's, it's better to be alone, um, I, it's so hard because I'm, like, yes, like, you are... You're might be easier. Easier. Yeah. Um, but marriage is wonderful, but it is not the place where, like, you are going to arrive 
as a Christian? Um, yeah, I don't know if that kind of answers the question. I think it's it's ebbs and flows. It might be easier. Um, God designed marriage. If that's a desire of yours, I believe like that is godly, and I think God is going to like use that. And um, I'm not gonna like promise like you will be married by the end of this year. And but. It's, it or is. You will. <laughs> You're gonna Someone's find your spouse at retreat, <laughs> um, which does happen. But yeah. Anyway, it's not. It's not the end all be all um, for a, the believer. Yeah, I just had a quick thought before I kick it over to you. Before Paul, there was God, and in the garden before sin, God created man and woman to come together. And so I think as when Paul talks about being single and it allows you to do more, I think that's like a very specific and like missional thing. Um, it's not Paul's word versus God's creative like intention. God created us to be together. Um, and so when Paul is saying that, I think he's maybe talking to more specific people. And we always joke about, like, the gift of singleness. And it's like, oh, no, I think I got the gift. Like, you know, like, do I got the gift? Like, oh, no. Uh, you know, God, it definitely is a gift. gift. I'll tell you that much. It's yeah, a gift. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I just, my, my one thought is, like, um, God designed man and woman to be together before Paul said be single. And so I think you have to weigh that statement in light of God's like creative intent for humanity. So yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing. Um, thing number one, yeah, there was a God. He said it's not good for man to be alone. That's number one. It's not good to be alone, and we all know that. Like you know how you are when you get by yourself, you know. So I think number one, it's not good for you to be alone. Companionship. Number two, he says, be fruitful and multiply. It's hard to, I mean, you can have babies by yourself, but, but why do all that work by yourself? You know, invite someone into that whole process. And I think enjoyment. Also, you enjoy, I enjoy my spouse. I enjoy Victoria. Apart from sex, I enjoy my wife. I love talking to her. I love time with her. I love just growing. I think the Bible is so cool when it talks about iron sharpening iron. You get that in marriage. Marriage is for sanctification. I think when Jesus leaves every time, and she mentions it, and she touched on it in her last question or the question before that, he likens the church to the bride, and he likens Jesus to the husband. And oftentimes when you see Paul, the same guy that says be single, he also says husbands submit to your wives, wives submit to your husbands. So you see that Paul didn't choose marriage, but he had nothing against marriage. So I think if you're in this room and you want to be with someone and you want to have kids and you want to be in enjoyable and you want someone right there that's going to make you better until you know death do you part get married marriage is good and they're not single if you have a single gift it doesn't make you better than the person that has the married gift it just makes you single that's all it does so <laughs> all right staying on relationships how do two couples go together when both have different views on god i think that's the dating process that's how you get you, you have different views not just on god but on money on family, on holidays, on how to process certain hurt. I know some people that in their family, you don't process what you just said. You just move on like you didn't say it. And then in some families, as soon as you say it, you sit down and say, why did you say that? I think you're gonna have opposing views on everything. When I got married to my wife, we viewed everything differently. But in that dating process, you start choosing, okay, is there, are they gonna change in this? Because if they don't change in this, that may be an issue. Can they grow in this? Am I the problem? I think, I think you start that process in the dating and I think you should just bring, bring that up. And if they have a different view of God completely, it may be something you know minuscule, maybe something very small, but if it's something big like, hey, I don't believe that God sent Jesus. Well, 
this is hard, but I don't know how I feel about fasting in the beginning of the year. Well, me either. Let's just go from there, you know? So I just think that just have those conversations and not just about God. But if you're dating, have a conversation about everything, okay? How they spend money, how they deal with hurt, how they process pain, how they want to raise their kids. I think we, we date and mate too quick. Oh, they're good. I'm good. They're a Christian. I'm a Christian. I get married. What do you mean you want to live like this? I had no idea. That's because the dating, you rather just post your Instagram post than actually have hard conversations. So I think those hard conversations will help with this question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've listened to the podcast at all, you kind of know my thoughts on this. I think when you say, like, uh, different views on God, like, are we talking about the same God? Because if you're a follower of Jesus and, you, and you've actually met him, I think that relationship is primary to absolutely everything um, about the rest of your life. And so, like he would say, I think there's minor things about, like, views on like different things in the Bible you have to flesh out. Like when Aaron and I first got married, there was a lot that we didn't agree on. Not specifically maybe like biblically, but just in life and who even was more unbiblical? Aaron for sure. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Obviously. She has a yeah. theology degree actually. As so. do I. <laughs> As do I. Where's your where's yours from? South the Southeastern University. Where's yours from? The Southeastern Okay. CCU. Eh, who cares about that place? But I I'm kidding. Who goes to CCU? I'm kidding. Anybody? Oh, Hunter. <laughs> wow. No, I, I think, like, you got to, you gotta like, figure out what do you mean by different views of God? Like, if we're talking about, like, a Muslim and a Christian, like, coming together, this is no shade to a Muslim, but I, I, I just don't think, I don't see in my mind how you could both together walk out a fruitful relationship if you both deeply have convictions about who God is. So that like fasting, like if my wife was obsessed with fasting in the new year, I'd be like go for it. That's amazing. I'm not going to do that. But, but I think like the big, big G like things I think is, is very important to, to figure out. No, that's good. I got nothing to add. Right. Yeah, good. This, this is a question specifically for you, Tyshawn, because I think you, you're going to love this, and, and you were even telling me before you are super passionate about this. Somebody wrote in, how can you find your voice if you don't have many speaking engagements or maybe opportunities to, like, practice and exercise that? So I'm feeling like somebody feels potentially called to preach or to pastor, and they want to develop that gift and skill. How do you do that if nobody's handing you opportunities yeah. to maybe preach on a weekend or at youth or something like that? I mean, this is a great question. If there's any question that I like the most, it's this one, because I feel like I can answer it the most transparency. When I got saved at 12, I really did take a, like, when someone says God got a hold of someone's heart, I mean, he got me. He had me forever. I, I came back from that winter experience, that winter encounter, so prepared for the pastor to give me the mic to preach that weekend. I just felt like I had some things to say and um, didn't get an opportunity. In fact, I was thinking about this question. We looked at them before, and I was thinking about every time I held a microphone before I became a preacher before I was preaching full-time. It was 14 years old, I preached for five minutes on the weekend, every service, and there were six services, so in my head I preached for 30 minutes because that's how I work. Um, <laughs> at 17 years old, I preached for seven minutes. At 19, I preached at one little church as an intern. At 21, I preached my first sermon, and at 22, I preached two more times. That was everything I preached before I became the youth pastor at Free Chapel. The reason I'm telling you that is because a lot of people will assume that, man, that guy has, must have had a whole bunch of people give him advice. 
I mean, they did. They're called books and podcasts. And, and I would read a book and I would apply what they say. I would look up podcasts. I would look up YouTube videos. But when, specifically when it comes to opportunity, opportunity won't make you the best speaker and a lack of opportunity won't make you a bad speaker. I encourage you to do what I've been doing since I was 12 years old. Manufacture your own opportunities. What do you mean by that? At night, when you're at home by yourself, don't watch another episode of Grace. Pick me, choose me, love me. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't. I've never seen it. It's so sad to me. Like, when you told me that, I don't even know if I like you anymore as a person, <laughs> just because I love, I love, I'm just joking. Um, but when I was younger, every, and my mom could talk about this, my wife, she's made allowance for this in our marriage. Um, I would spend, when I was younger, probably two hours a night just in my room talking. In my room. I would do it for about a year. And I remember after a while, I was like, you only have so many ways that you could do this. And I went to church that weekend, and I saw a pastor preaching and a baby started crying and he wasn't distracted at all. So I went home and I was like, I got to make sure that you don't get distracted if you ever have to speak because God forbid there's babies crying while you're speaking and it throws everything off. So what I did was I set three alarms in my room, one for like 12 minutes, one for like 19 minutes and one for like three minutes. And I wanted to keep preaching all the way due. I did that for like six months. That's why to this day, if something happens that's random while I'm preaching, it doesn't distract me that as much because in my secret time, I manufactured my own opportunities. When I would drive in the car, I didn't drive the car listening to music. I would just work out a thought just the whole time for 30, 40, 50 minutes. Um, when I would have free time, even right now, every night as a speaker who travels, opportunities like this are great. But as an evangelist, one of the hardest things is that Every time I get an opportunity to preach, it's in front of people I don't know, which it's way easier to preach in front of people that you do know. When you can get up and say, hey, we're in a series, I'm preaching these six messages, blah, blah, blah. I said six and put up three. Um, we're doing these six messages. Times two, times two. And you have an opportunity to work those messages out. You have an opportunity to talk to your team about them. As an evangelist, I don't get that. I have to get up and I'm like, this is the first time I'm ever going to preach this message. I hope they like that. But I don't want to ever want to try a message out on people because I love people too much. I love you too much. So in my private time, I just prepare and prepare, prepare. If you want to be a preacher, my, your free time will tell me if you want to be a preacher. Yeah, because for absolutely. people who want to be a basketball player, their free time tells me what you want to be. What you do in your free time will tell you what you're going to become when you're full time. And so for me, on my free time, all I did, preaching, preaching, preaching. A lot of people said it was weird. A lot of people said I, I took it too serious. A lot of people was like, Tyshawn, slow down. Just come hang out. No, I don't want to. I didn't want to. And now I'm at 29 years old. I'm a full-time evangelist. I get to travel. I get to speak. And people compliment my speaking. And I think that's so nice because after they compliment it, I say this. You can learn right now, too. If you want to be a good preacher, just preach to yourself because you're going to have to hear you before we ever will. So learn. If you like it, to, if you like it coming to your ears, we'll probably like it coming to our ears. Just spend so much time doing that, and you'll find your voice. And so what happens to a lot of people, and I know I'm going to take a little time on this, is that you find out your favorite preacher, right? Mine growing up was Judah Smith. As a matter of fact, everybody's favorite preacher growing up was Judah Smith. And if it wasn't Judah Smith, we judged you. He was like, who's your favorite? We don't even care. It should be Judah Smith. And what a lot of people would do is that they would start sounding like their favorite speaker. Well, what I would do in my private time, I would force myself not to do that. I would just force myself, I would have the hard conversation privately. You sounded like Judah Smith. 
So I would preach the whole sermon again in my room. Nobody's there for 30 minutes. Dang it, you sound a little bit like too much like Bishop Jakes. Do it again. And I would keep doing it. And again, everyone thought it was so weird that I would do it. I remember one friend, even as I'm talking, he was like, stop doing that. You just need to borrow someone else's voice until you get your own. And I was like, I think that's so lazy because if you would have told that to Kobe Bryant, if you would have told that to your favorite athlete, if you would have told that to your favorite comedian, they would have been like, borrow that. No, let me manufacture my own. And so now from the moment I started preaching, I sounded like how I sounded last night. That's because since the moment I was 12 years old, I spent so much time privately. So I would just encourage you, listen to some speakers. When you have free time, give it to speaking. And then when you really want to get bold, record a camera and record your camera work. I was really big on how I hold the mic. I know that's crazy, but all this stuff is intentional. I just want you to know it because when I was younger, I would do this the whole time and I didn't like that. And I see a lot of speakers that do this. They put it on their chin. And there's nothing disrespect. I just didn't like it. So I had to learn how to do this. And it took me a long time. Because if I do this, i got to talk louder. So I had to learn how to talk louder when I was younger. And then all these different things. So there's so many things you can do. Give your free time the creativity of finding your voice. And I guarantee you, if you do that for a few years, you're going to find your voice. Yeah, that's so good. First off, I want to shout out our sound team. I'm sorry. For always giving me crap for I'm holding sorry. my mic and doing this all the time. <laughs> oh, they all hate me. I shouldn't do what I just oh, said. Oh, we literally like our sound I'm people like were like a production person. When, I'm like, oh. When I started preaching regularly, they were like, your mic goes here. And I was like, I promise you one thing. My mic will never be here. Yeah, you know why? Because I can smell it. I can smell You ever smell it? No, but I'm also, when I see people who do this, I'm like, you look like a robot. You know what you should do? You should take the cap off and give it a sniff one time. Oh. I'm telling oh. you, it is disgusting. I don't even want to. You know, I'm not lying. So just, I don't know. I'm I got right a strong here. nose. Well, I, I move a lot. I move a lot. Yeah. And I was like, listen, you're going to have to learn to follow. And that's yeah. not cool. I shouldn't have said that. But... Hey, for real. So this is an embarrassing story for me really quick, but I think a lot of people want to like know this kind of information. I didn't know that this is how you become a better speaker. I, I was just a weird kid in middle school and high school. So I had in my room, I had like three different career paths for myself. Um, I was going to be first and foremost an NFL athlete. And so I had a Bowflex in my room and posters of Randy Moss everywhere. And so I would be in my room listening to Eminem, working out on the Bowflex. That's probably why I have so many shoulder problems because I, I only knew how to do like two exercises on it. So I'm like, my body's really imbalanced. Or you're really strong in just one area. You yeah, know? for real. Your back, your, your trap is like, yeah, well, I just did this a lot on the Bowflex, <laughs> thinking that's what Randy Moss did. Um, but no, for real, like I would get in my room, I would lock the door, turn off the lights, Blair Eminem and work out, or kind of like what he was saying when I first became a Christian, I was so weird. I would lock myself in my room. I had a little desk. I'll never forget. And I'm not going to get emotional. Um, get emotional. I remember, I don't know why, and this just sounds so cheesy, don't judge me, but I like the only pastors I knew were the one my grandparents listened to. And so I'd listen to like Creflo Dollar and Jesse Duplantis. And as a kid, I mean, I was in like a junior in high school. I, w I had journals full of notes of just everything that they would say. And I would read my Bible and I would go through an entire eight week series in like a night. And I just became obsessed about like learning about the Bible. Now there's 
no offense to Creflo, there's some things I've had to unlearn. But, but then I, I got this mirror in my room, and I would preach in front of my mirror. Like, what a nerd, you know what I mean? Like, but like you said, I loved it. I, I don't know why I loved it, but I just remember sitting in my room, listening to messages, becoming a, like as I, I was a Christian and like reading my Bible and just being like, I could do this forever. And I think my mom, like, this is going to sound so weird. I think my mom was thinking that I'm, like, watching porn or something in my room. Because I'd, like, lock the door and turn the lights off because I was embarrassed if she, like, walked in. That and sounds like preaching. it, Connor. I'll just be no, honest. Like, sounds like what, that's what you were doing. No, I know. But I would, I would lock the door and turn the lights off and, like, practice preaching. And then my mom would, be, like, knock on the door and be like, what are you doing in here? And I'm like, preaching, I swear. Like, I almost thought, like... Oh, no, that's a bad joke. I can't say that. I was going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Okay. <laughs> Aaron's like, Connor. <laughs> yeah. Are you nervous right now? <laughs> yeah. No, but like, but for real, like, if you are called to preach, you'll, you'll just preach. Like, you will, like, as, as a 34-year-old man with two children, I preach in my shower. Like, my shower, not to be TMI, is like the most holy place in my house. Ask my wife. I bring my phone in the shower. I literally like will have my phone sitting up in the shower because that's where I get ideas. That's where I pray. That's where I preach to my shower curtain. for. I take like 45-minute showers. And it's because I'm like preaching a series in my head that some, some of y'all will never hear my greatest messages because yep. my shower curtain did. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. As somebody who does this for a living, I still do that. Yeah. And so you don't need a mic and you don't need an audience to develop. Now, if you're passionate about getting better, seek out a mentor. Find somebody who's like, listen, I suck. Like when I first started preaching, I thought I was amazing and I sucked. I, I made stuff off about the Bible that I didn't even write. I'd be like, in Exodus, it says that Jesus was walking on water. And it's like, <laughs> Exodus, bro. And I was like, yeah, Exodus, it's in there. Just research it. But find somebody to like take you under their wing and help you but but preach yeah. just preach and I promise in due season God will bring you into that opportunity where you're holding my everything seasonal maybe I do this the rest of my life maybe I don't I don't know I want to but like if you are called to preach just preach you don't need you don't need a microphone you, you just need a shower or a, a room with your lights off and accountability okay <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Moana, any thoughts? No, I, I mean, not personally, but I will say this. Um, obviously, we get to hear from Connor all the time. I'm going to honor you. Let's not make it weird. Um, Connor, <laughs> Connor, honestly, is one of my favorite preachers ever, um, ever, and does such a good job on Thursdays, as we all know, and he's, like, at the place now where he's preaching every other week, um, every week, all the time, speaking on Sundays. Now, those opportunities, like, you worked in young adults a long time, like a long time before he started even being able to preach. And even then it was few and far between. And um, just how he stewarded that and just like, I'm gonna say it again, worked the field in front of him and was stewarding the moments that he didn't have a microphone and didn't have a stage. And I think like, this is what they touched on of like, if you genuinely feel like you're called to do that, um, but you don't feel like you have opportunity, um, work what's in front of you, keep your head down, like preach in your shower, preach in your <laughs> dark bedroom, um, and like just trust the Lord's timing that like in that tension of like feeling like you have a call, feeling like God's given you a voice, 
use your voice in the areas that, like the stages that he does have you on and volunteer rallies and your friend groups, like use that and um, steward those moments well so that when you do have a microphone and you do have a stage, it won't crush you. Um, because the call to preach is a, like it's a, a high call. And so, yeah, steward those moments um, behind the scenes and the years of, of not being in the pulpit so that when you do, um, you'll feel like that anointing is like from God. So, so. Yeah. And, and last thought, listen, I know dinner's in 10 minutes and our band is like, I think, really ready to rehearse for tonight. Um, I posted this on Instagram a, a couple of days ago because God just dropped it in my heart. I was kind of reflecting over my, my speaking journey. Um, if if you don't like, if you feel like you have a message in your heart, but God's not giving you an opportunity to speak it, yeah. he might just be adding weight to your life that so that so when you share really that good. message, it actually means something to somebody. That's so good. Like, kid you not, like in my room, because I would listen to Creflo do marriage, like, you know, uh, series, and I would write a message on marriage as a middle schooler or like a high schooler. <laughs> you know, my message on marriage would have meant nothing because there was no weight to those words. And so God might be just adding weight to the message. Maybe you feel the message in your heart and you're not getting opportunity because God's like, you got the right message. You just don't have enough weight yet. Let me walk you through some seasons to where when you speak and share that message, you'll have the weight to go with what I've put on your heart. And that's that. Don't rush that. I see so many young people who, who are like call themselves like speakers and evangelists or whatever. And they're not they've never even been like a youth pastor and like and like spoken on a youth stage. And to me, and this is no shade. I'm like, bro, you're rushing the word that God's put on your heart. So you might deliver the right word in the wrong season. And it's not going to do what God wanted it to do if you would have waited 10, 20, 30 years, which to us sounds horrible, like daunting. But Man, don't rush the word God's put in your heart because you want the right word at the right time with the right weight, and that's when God moves. So, okay, we have like six minutes and two more questions. Okay. Um, here we go. Let's, let's roll with this. When is the right time to distance yourself from somebody who's constantly mocking or belittling your faith? When the opinion of them weighs more than the opinion of God. That's good. Um, I struggle with this a lot. My mom was talking to me last night, and she was like, son, I think a part of the reason why you're so stressed out is because you care what everybody thinks. And you can care about what some people think, but you can't care about what everybody thinks. And I think we live in a people-pleasing generation, the reason we do, because a lot of fathers and a lot of mothers weren't as engaging as much as they should have been in childhood and teenage years, and it pours out into our new year. So when one person says one thing, it kills you. I think one of the best things that you need to learn how to do is speak the word of God over you. You need to learn how to, a lot of people don't, um, they don't know how to declare God's word because they don't know God's word. So it's hard to declare what you don't know. And so I would encourage you if you, and I know that I'm kind of steering the question a different way, but I'm going to get it back. If you know God's word and you know what he says and you know what he speaks over you and you treat his word as truth, when you do hear this statement that this person has made, it may not, you may not need to distance yourself. You may need to strengthen your memorization skills when it comes to the word of God. Now, if that person has chosen to just be a nuisance and it's just like they're going out of the way to hurt you and just like Jesus, the Pharisees walked up to Jesus and they said they demanded a miracle and he said no. He said no sign would be given to this generation, which was insane because he just got done doing miracles. He was just saying, I'm not going to do this for you because just the, the way you're coming at me, no. And so I think there's some people in your life that 
now Pharisees love the Lord too. There could be some people in your life right now that you got to say no to just for a season as you strengthen yourself in the word. And maybe there's some people that you have to distance yourself from for sure. Any thoughts? That's good. Um, just having like an unoffendable spirit. And then if it, wow. like, if there's like a, a toxic like relationship there and it's actually like draining you, then maybe, yeah, maybe distance yourself and give them less, um, like real estate in your life and less weight to their words and less opportunity to, um, burden you with those things, I guess. But yeah, I, I would say pray for discernment because there's mm -hmm. a difference between like mocking and frustrating and then pain frustration questions some like somebody who's searching can actually come off as frustrated yeah. um and i think only you know your relationship between this person's been hurt by church or this person i can tell they're see, like so we i have people in my family that are, are hypercritical but it's because i think deep down they want it to be true and they're afraid that if it is one their life is going to have to change but two like they're they, they like don't want to be let down by it so discern like questioning versus just straight up like i don't believe this and i'm going to make your life miserable okay last question real quick um what when is the last time in your life that you have just been like wow god you are insanely good like you have been insanely good to me yes i was excited about this question too the last time was this week and, and you should have it every week, by the way. You should be spending time with God. If, if you start saying, if I would have said 2016, y'all should be worried for me. Um, <laughs> but it was this week. I was very, very stressed out. And I came back from speaking in Midland, Texas. And I just realized a few things that I had to take care of on my list for my nonprofit. A few bills that were unexpected. Don't you just hate those? And there was just some things. I'm, I'm, I'm about to move. I'm trying to work some things out. And I... I was getting so stressed out and just a little bit frustrated about a few things in my life. And I went into my bedroom or my little office that I usually pray in. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, and I'm not lying. It was like, go on Facebook. I was like, this is the devil. God will never tell me to go on Facebook. He was like, go on Facebook. I just had a random thought, go on Facebook and go look at your photos. And so I was like, all right. So I go to Facebook and I just started swiping and I went to my photos and I found like 17 year old Tyshawn. And I looked at this photo for like 10 minutes. And I had this moment where I was like, he would pray for the frustrations I have. He would be so happy to hear what I'm frustrated about. He would be so happy that the girl he had a crush on is now his wife. He would be so happy to know that the kid that was in a small group is now his first employee and he's growing into an incredible man of God. And he, he would be so proud to know that he talks to his dad now that, um, I just, I had this moment where I was like, you know what, life's always going to do what life does. It's going to suck the life out of you, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of us don't know how to look back in a good way. Some of us hate our past so much we refuse to ever look back at it, but that's not how I view it. I look back at my past quite often because it gives me encouragement to keep going. And I had that moment where I was in my office, you know, the bill didn't go away, the pressure didn't leave. I still got to handle some stuff for the nonprofit. I still got to provide for my family. I still got to move. But it was like, God, you did it at 17 years old, you know? I, would, I, I cannot believe I'm here. Like, I'm not even lying. Like, this is not just to say this. Like, I keep having this moment where I'm like, why are they asking me about preaching? I, I just started doing this. But when you walk with God long enough, you start seeing, if you walk with him for a good amount of years, I think five to ten years, you'll start seeing full circle moments like this every day every day. But if you stop the walk, 
you'll miss the moment. And so for me, last week, coming back from that trip, I walked into the room, and then after Facebook, I was so happy, um, and then I, I made a steak and some eggs, and it was the best night of my life. So it was good. Mona, what about you? I'm already emotional listening to Tyshawn's. I'm not sure I'll be able to get mine out. Um, honestly, it's been this week. Uh, we've talked about this just with our team and with y'all that this place every year, and I've gotten the opportunity to be a part of young adults retreats and youth retreats with my husband. Um, and I feel like every year I come back up here um, to like this place where God just like pours out his spirit in special ways. And I'm like blown away. And I thought back to my first, cause when I was an intern, we actually didn't do a young adults retreat that year, um, but we did a youth retreat. And I was crushing on this other intern but we didn't date until after the internship because that's not allowed. Yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> um, but we were in here in this auditorium, and it was cry night for youth. Um, <laughs> and I remember I looked over at Jake, and it wasn't even anything that, like, um, he was doing. It was actually, like, this, this student that just loved him so much came up and was like, hey, can I pray for you? And um, I, like, looked in that moment, and I was like, I want to marry him, like, and I, and so, like, my husband and I have actually had several different moments like that in this room, um, both personally with each other, with our relationship, things that God's, like, spoken into our life, and being up here this year doing Young Adults Retreat and actually, like, being the married couple leading, like, the breakout session together, I just was like, oh my gosh, God, I was like a little 21, 22-year-old intern, and just dreaming for things that um, seemed too good to be true. And now I'm up here this year with um, like a packed out retreat and a ministry I love with a team that I love, with a husband to do it with. And I was just like, man, God, like you really do care about like the desires of my heart. And I just like felt like really special to God. And yeah. So. That's awesome. Mine would just have to be watching my daughter worship. Um, changing my answer to that too. <laughs> no, my biggest, and this sounds bad, my biggest insecurity in life right now is not who likes me, who follows me, who sends me a hateful DM or a positive DM. I want to be the best dad in the world, and I want my daughter to know Jesus, and not in like a religious way, like not like behave well and don't sleep around and like be a good girl. Like, no, I just want her to know how amazing Jesus is. And listen, who knows if, like, this sounds terrible. I believe it's actually the most authentic form of worship when she's lifting her hands. Maybe nothing is computing in her brain. <laughs> but, my, but my hope is that God is just taking this soft little two-year-old heart and revealing himself to her in ways where she'll, like, just remember feeling God's presence as a kid. You know what I mean? And so just even last night... Um, that's some of my favorite moments. All right, we are so wildly over. Worship team, I'm so sorry. Sorry. Uh, I want to close this out really quick. Um, Afia, come here really quick. You're going to pray for us. Come here, Afia. Yeah. Afia. 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 Whoa, it worked. Afia. Hey. Afia. Hey. <laughs> All right, hey, we've got, we have got, give us your best one-minute prayer. And then we are going to go get some dinner and be back in here at 730-ish. Hi, God. Thank you for today. And thank you for the people here. And thank you for every seed that has been sown. You're so faithful. And you're so good. And I pray that the seeds that have been sown here 
lasts for generations. I pray that it doesn't end with just us. It doesn't end with just this weekend. I pray that we'll continually have sustained encounters with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> Guys, thank you for, for coming to our second live podcast recording. We will put this up not this Monday, but next Monday. So be looking out. All right, love you guys. See you at dinner in two minutes. Worship, don't kill us.